1: Jacob Albright, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number 1 sports radio 97.5 and 1240 KFH. I'm
2: going to Wichita.
3: Hey Shocker fans, want the latest on Wichita State Athletics? Let's go right to the source with Shocker AD Kevin Saul.
2: And we welcome back in hour number two here of Sports Daily. Glad to be with you on this Wednesday. Hope everybody is off to a great start in the new year. Happy New Year to you, Kevin Saul, Wichita State Athletic Director. Welcome back in.
3: Thanks so much, Jacob. Happy New Year to you. I hope things are well, and thanks for having us on today.
2: All right, let's get right into it. It is, we're in the thick of basketball season now. Conference play underway. You heard right before we came on there, the women in action tonight. We'll get to the Shocker women uh, in just a little bit. Let's go to the men who opened conference play on Thursday. But we'll look back a little bit. So the two games in Kansas City, I know the outcomes weren't what we'd hoped for uh, for Wichita State, certainly. Uh, But, you know, environments are good. I know people were excited to play those games as you look back and the dust is settled now on the two big, you know, rivalry regional games going there in Kansas City, what'd you think?
3: Well, I think it, it, the crowds were great. I want to appreciate and, and thank obviously Kansas State and Kansas for uh, the opportunity to 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 put those matchups together. The Greater Kansas City Sports Commission, all the folks that that helped do that. Um, I, I think it's healthy for our state. It's healthy for basketball in our state and in this region for us to compete as a Kansas, a kid that grew up in Kansas. I, th- I think it's very, very uh, healthy for us. And then, obviously, as Director of Athletics with Wichita State, we're not going to shy away from uh, tough scheduling. Um, and so you see the, the, the Liberties, the Missouris, the Kansas States, the Kansases. Um, as you look forward, guys, we've got a league that has three teams that are in the uh, top 45 in the NCAA's net. Um, and we've got four, almost five, that are in the top 100. So um, we're, we're going to continue to play challenging schedules. Coach Mills and I are very much aligned uh, in that. We've got to be smart with how we schedule. But at the end of the day, we've got to put together a resume that allows us to uh, serious at-large consideration for the NCAA tournament because that is the expectation.
2: What is what is the appetite you think to continue those two specific rivalries into the future and and for a long time and make those staples of every season?
3: Well, I can I can speak to our appetite um, is strong in that we've got another uh, game, the last of a four game set with Kansas State that will actually be in Coke Arena uh, next year. The Kansas uh, relationship was a one game deal. Um, certainly we have interest in that, but we're we're not the only uh, perspective that matters in that. And if you're, you pay attention to the news, you certainly understand what Coach Self, um, his perspective on that deal and, and putting it into context and his time at, at Oral Roberts and, and Tulsa and, and those sort of things. So we'll continue to work at that. But at the end of the day, um, our desire and perspective is really only one part of that deal. Um, so we were very fortunate uh, to get KU on the schedule for the first time in the regular season in 32 years. Um, so we'll continue to express our interest with not only Kansas State and Kansas and Missouri, but 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 schools like Creighton and uh, regional schools like Arkansas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. We want to do a really good job uh, with scheduling uh, attractive matchups for our fans, but also matchups that give us a, a legitimate chance at an at-large uh, selection into the NCAA tournament.
2: All right, you talked about the expectation, Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul of the NCAA tournament. What has your evaluation been like of the, because we're through it now, it's sort of that unofficial halfway point. The regular season is in the books, certainly some notable wins, some tough losses, and we go into the conference slate. I think probably about where most people thought Wichita State would be, how have you looked at the non-conference?
3: well yeah absolutely. the non-conference is 13 games um we got a 31 game schedule so we're uh, you know we're closing in on uh about a halfway halfway through as you mentioned Jacob I I think certainly 8 and 5 um is um a winning record we can say that um at the end of the day I know our expectations are high but we also need to temper those to understand it's going to take some time anything that's worthwhile That lasts, um, that is character and integrity filled, that has great attention to detail um, is going to take some time to build that and uh, appreciate Taylor Eldridge's article. I think it was either yesterday, today about uh, attention to detail. Um, and the standard within the men's basketball program. And if you haven't had a chance to read that, I would encourage listeners to go to the Eagle and read Taylor's most recent article. It really speaks to a lot of the attention to detail that's going on in our program. And it will take time to turn that, but our players appreciate it because they know it makes them better individually and and collectively as a team. And uh, listen, we start off really firm. Um, We've got uh, a four-game start with uh, American Athletic Conference play with North Texas. Um, who currently sits at uh, 94 in the net. Uh, And then we're at Temple. Uh, Then we've got Memphis at home, and Memphis currently sits at uh, 40 in the net. And then we've got uh, Florida Atlantic uh, at their place, who sits uh, 21st in the net. And East Carolina gave Florida Atlantic a pretty good game last night. I think – uh Florida Atlantic ended up winning by 15, but it was very tight at, at half and about halfway through that, that second half as well. So um, it'll be a competitive league. Um, SMU is not far down on the schedule as well, and they currently sit at 45 in the net. So we've got some really strong teams that we'll have an opportunity to uh, to compete with this year and, and uh, continue to see improvement.
2: Yeah, that net lines up well with Ken Palm too, which we know Coach Mills likes and, and basketball junkies like is like the metrics way to look at it. And, and so if we look at that, North Texas is near the top. They're right there after those two, you know, top teams. And I, that feels like a really great opportunity to open with them at home and sort of, I don't know, maybe set a pace for the conference play because it, it's tough out of the first four. And and I, I do think there's a little pressure in there because you know Memphis and Florida Atlantic are coming to have a first two game conference games that that you know you hope you win both of for sure at least one of them but i i love the north texas opener that feels like the team and the spot in the league wichita state needs to be shooting for at this point
3: well it's a it'll be a physical matchup um if you've watched north texas play this year they 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 run some very physical sets uh, I know Coach Mills and our staff have talked about that at great length uh, with our team, and uh, certainly I, I think we'll be prepared for that. But at the end of the day, the urgency for, for every game is the same. Um, and the objective is to, to win every single game. And uh, so we'll approach them one at a time. Obviously, we've got a great challenge tomorrow night at, uh, with North Texas coming to Coke Arena, and we look forward to that one.
2: So what, what have you gathered? Have you had a chance to talk to Coach Mills? Kansas was – I thought that they played – Fine against Kansas State. Kansas was a tough matchup. Kansas is, I think, similar in strengths and weaknesses to Wichita State. And then they've, of course, got, you know, all the all the players back and experience back. Do you get the sense of, have you heard from Coach Mills, have the players responded well to that game? Are they, you know, a game like that that was tight early and then sort of got away there at the end? But are, are they getting a good response out of those high-profile games like that?
3: Well, I think that our guys, this is based on conversations with staff, with Coach Coach Mills, our staff, and, and one-off conversations with our players. I think our, our guys appreciate the opportunity to compete against um, uh, really strong teams uh, like Kansas, Kansas State, Missouri, Liberty, because it, that, that's when you're tested um the most that's when you find out the most about yourself that's where the attention to detail and and meeting the standard is on display the most because when you play that that strong a competitive team the margin for error is much thinner and you really need to be on your game uh, in terms of whatever the game plan is for that particular day when you play a team that's in the 300s or 350 uh, in the net the margin for error is a little wider and so i think Our our players in our program understand and appreciate the opportunity to compete against really, really strong teams because it tells you what you have and it tells you what you can improve on. And we're committed to the productivity cycle of plan and prepare, execute, evaluate, plan and prepare, execute, and evaluate. And every game is an opportunity to refresh that cycle and get better and learn about ourselves. So I think there's, a uh, to answer your question, a great appreciation for the matchups and playing. Um, strong non-conference, and we're going to be smart on that. If you if you listen to some of the experts uh, like Kevin Pauga, uh, th- th- they encourage uh, programs to put together a really strong non-conference schedule that you reasonably think you can go eight and three in because if you know you're scheduling some really challenging uh, matchups, then you know that you're going to hit some of the metrics that are so important to the NCAA selection committee, some of the metrics that are really important to the net formula, um, you, you've got to enter games that that feel very firm to you. And certainly Kansas State, Missouri, Kansas, Liberty, those were firm, um, competitive games for us. And uh, we will continue to schedule uh, those types of games for a lot of reasons.
2: Well, I know the fans certainly appreciate that. Let's talk about the women for a second. It had been a, a rough stretch uh, for Terry Nooner's squad there in the month of December, but then they, you know, they finished the month strong with a win to open conference play against Tulane. Now they go on the road for the first time in conference play. What have you thought about the work so far for this squad in year one under Terry Nooner?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, there, there's certainly some, some themes um, that, that start to emerge. Uh, We sit at five and eight right now. Um, Early on, Jacob, I think some of the themes were, man, we're playing really good three out of four quarters, and there's that one quarter, you go back and look at box, box scores, whether it was the third quarter at Oklahoma or the third quarter against Belmont, um, whether it was the – we ended up beating a St. Louis team who beat Missouri State and Missouri, uh, but we had a poor quarter in there and still scored 78 points. Uh, the Kansas game coming out in the third quarter, um, if you looked at one point in our in our, our, our season results, uh, scoring by quarter – Uh, We were 12 to 16 percent lower in the third quarter than we were in the first and second quarters or the fourth. I think it was 12% compared to the first and second quarters and 16 compared to the fourth quarter. Well, that tells you something. And so obviously the coaches are keenly aware of those themes and what are we doing at halftime to make adjustments and, and, and prepare and, and, and change what we're doing and adjust and be prepared to adjust to their adjustments, right? Because your opponents also in the locker room at halftime working on adjustments. So you've got to be prepared to project those. But at the end of the day, I know our turnover rate's been a little bit high uh, because we run a faster pace and uh, that that pace will pay dividends for us over time it'll take time to build the roster it'll take time to build the program in a way that we want but the style of play has proven time and time again to be successful in the women's game you know we need to be around a 20 percent turnover rate as opposed to a 34 percent turnover rate uh, as you look at those things but the other themes are just um, you know, the third quarter offensive productivity, and, um, we've got to make sure that we're playing 40 minutes, all four quarters. And I think what a great indication of what this team is capable of is our latest, uh, game, the opener, American athletic conference opener against Tulane on Saturday, uh, the 30th of December ended up winning 63 to 60. And if you go dive into that box score, man, I, I think we addressed the, the, the turnovers. I think we addressed, um, um just the ability to be productive in every single quarter we scored 14 12 15 and 22 the fourth quarter was was our 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 largest um scoring quarter particularly when we needed it right because the halftime score was 28 26 we were down 2 um and so they had the ability to 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 come back from that we had um 15 turnovers but we created 15 turnovers as well so anytime you can be even in the turnover margin is is really good as well so we're seeing the incremental um, improvements over time it'll just take some time for us to get consistent in that but um, you may have seen yesterday treasure treasure Job got uh, american athletic conference player of the week um, and she had an outstanding performance um, uh, against tulane i think she ended up scoring eight or ten of the team's 22 points and might have been eight or 10 of the last um, eight to 10 points in that fourth quarter as well, but she finished um, two of two of five from three points six of 14 from the field she played all 40 minutes seven of 10 from the free throw line she had five rebounds eight assists 21 total points so um, just a phenomenal performance for her.
2: Yeah, it, that third quarter thing you brought up is wild, and, and we hope Treasure Job is a stud. I, that seems correctable to me, and it, it has uh, it certainly, I think, piqued a lot of interest if they could get that turned around what might be. And, you know, it's a conference game again tonight on the road. They get back-to-back road games tonight, uh, Rice-UTSA, uh, before they come back home on January 9th to take on Temple. Um, what else is going on for you guys in the new year? I know all of our attention is focused on basketball, the men and women, you know, getting into the thick of things here. But what else is happening there on campus? What else have you guys got cooking uh, for Shocker fans out there?
3: Well, I appreciate that. we'll We'll get to that here in just a second. I thought maybe an interesting tidbit to share with you on your show. We were actually scheduled to play at Rice tonight. Um, That game has been moved from Rice's uh, home arena to the Fertitta Center at the University of Houston's campus. And uh, an insightful media member might ask, well, why is that? Well, uh, apparently Rice was doing some work on uh, the roof of their arena, and somebody left the roof open. Um, And they had some significant damage uh, to their game floor uh, based on uh, somebody leaving a gap open in the roof. So um, I, I, I've heard between seventy and and $100,000 worth of damage to their game floor. Oh, so we appreciate yeah. the University of Houston uh, giving us the opportunity to compete um, down there in the city of Houston um, against Rice. So we'll look forward to that, a little bit of a curveball for our, our young women. But um, we'll address that, and then we play uh, UTSA. Uh, we follow uh, with those guys on Saturday, um, the 6th of January at 2 o'clock. So, anyway, good swing for those guys. Uh, on campus, uh, we don't start uh, classes here for another week or so. Um, we're excited about um, our spring sports. You know, when they come back, softball, it's game on because they'll get about a month of uh, preseason work before they get into their schedule. Uh, the first or second week in February. And then, uh, believe it or not, baseball season is just around the corner. Our baseball guys, they return the weekend of the 13th, 14th, I believe it is. Um, they start uh, team practices very shortly thereafter. And then uh, all of a sudden, third week in February, we're into baseball season. So um, it, it'll it turn itself around really quick. Jacob, I would be remiss if I didn't um, share with you just a phenomenal, a phenomenal uh, performance by our student-athletes academically. Uh, This past fall semester, you know, Gretchen Torlein has been with uh, leading our academic uh, support unit for over 32 years, and she's got an unbelievable uh, team of professionals uh, that are doing some remarkable things. But we had three programs that had uh, program record GPAs, semester GPAs in softball, baseball. Put that into context with the amount of turnover that we had on that roster and with men's basketball. And uh, so just performing incredibly well, all the credit goes to our student athletes, our coaches um, think it's incredibly important, and we do as well administratively, it's part of our strategic objectives, Gretchen does a phenomenal job, but we finished with a 3.46 as a department, and um, uh, that's rarefied air for us, we've never done that, so just incredibly excited about our commitment in the classroom. Uh, We've got some significant fundraising efforts going on with Wilkins Stadium and and Cessna as well. We've got some bold goals in terms of uh, our facilities, and so we'll be working hard at that this spring semester as well. So a lot going on.
2: Congrats to those students. I think that's a a tick or two higher than my college GPA, so uh, I applaud them, and I I didn't (laughs) have quite as much going on, I don't think, as they did. I can't get over the fact that I— I
3: it's a tick or two higher than mine, for sure.
2: It, yeah, at I, I three point four. Yeah, that's that. that means you got to go to all the classes and do well, not just the ones you want to. Uh, which was, which is a challenge for a lot of college students. I know. Definitely, uh, shout out to those uh, young people for that. That's that's fantastic. I can't get the image out of my head of somebody replacing a shingle on the top of a of a college arena and forgetting to put it back. And just letting a ton of water (laughs) pour in like that, that puts into perspective what the rest of us deal with as homeowners. Like you did what you forgot to do what? And now I've got this to deal with. Exactly. Oh, my
3: God. We've all done something like that, whether it's leaving the roof down on your convertible at the wrong time or leaving the roof open on Uh. your arena. We've all had something in between on that spectrum. (laughs) <laughs> that is just –
2: that is that is terrible. I, I, I feel so bad for everybody dealing with that. All right, so that game, uh, not at Rice. It's it's on the road against Rice, but at the University of Houston. Uh, you'll hear it, by the way, right here on KFH. Kevin, we appreciate it. Uh, again, Happy New Year. And next time we talk, we'll, we'll be right in the middle of a conference season. I can't wait.
3: Thanks so much, Jacob. Happy New Year to you guys. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on your show, and go Shockers.
2: There goes Kevin Saul, Wichita State Athletic Director, joining us every other week here on Sports Daily as we make our way through plenty to talk about and we'll have plenty more on the Shockers taking on North Texas tomorrow night on the men's side uh, as we will get you ready for that one tomorrow. All right, when we come back, the Chiefs have this situation in the playoffs. They will play either Miami or Buffalo, depending on how that game turns out. Who would you rather play? If you're the Chiefs, Kansas City played both of those teams in the regular season. We'll get into that as we make our way through this Wednesday edition of Sports Daily. All right, welcome back in, everybody, to Sports Daily here. Wildcat fans, you can check out GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast, the latest bowl and transfer portal news, uh, as well as men's and women's basketball all season long. Follow PowerCat podcast, Go PowerCat on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, as we make our transition to a little NFL chatter here, it's an interesting situation for the Chiefs this week who – are three point underdogs right now against the Chargers. Not sure what to make of that, other than you know it would give you some indication of how much the the starters are likely to play. And we'll get more insight on that from you know the players and the coaches as we make our way through the week here. I'm not sure what the best you know answer to that is. We talked about that yesterday a little bit. I, I look, I don't know if I want to see the starters play a lot. I don't want. I don't know if I want to see him play at all, and maybe just a little bit. I, I have. I really don't have ever a strong take on that you know Andy Reid plays his guys in the preseason he's also one of the best coaches in football out of a bye week they can treat this as a bye week their their destination their lot in life is all determined other than who they'll play but you know you kind of look at it now and just take a week off they do that in the regular season You're not going to get rusty, Andy Reid's history. The Chiefs' history would indicate to you that they're not going to get rusty. That's not something that they've done. They did lose out of the bye week this year against Philadelphia. Um, But I don't, you know, over time, I don't think you you look too much into that. So the, the situation for the Chiefs now is they're locked into the three. We just don't know who they're going to play. We know that they're going to play it at home. We don't know whether it will be against Miami or whether it will be against Buffalo. Uh, Miami was an interesting game. Remember, they played well and they didn't score it all the rest of the way. They got the win, though. They held Miami down. They get the win in Germany, 21-14. to Buffalo was a game they feel like they should have won and, you know, had a bad call at the end of it, and and that sort of you know, led to all these controversies and things. So certainly they had an opportunity to beat Buffalo as well. They played that one at Arrowhead too. So then it becomes, if you're a Chiefs fan, and we can open this up to the KFH hotline at 869-1240, who would you rather play? If you're Kansas City and you're looking at this, would you rather play Miami or would you rather play Buffalo? And quite honestly, like, I don't know the answer to that question. I I. I I don't know who I would rather play. If Buffalo beats Miami, Buffalo will jump uh, up to the two seed, and Miami would fall to the sixth seed. If Miami wins, they will stay as essentially the two seed, and and Buffalo will, depending on some other things. I guess, I suppose I shouldn't guarantee you that it's going to be Buffalo. Buffalo still needs a win to get in. It could be, it could be another opponent. But in theory, let's say it's Miami or Buffalo because you could still have a situation where, you know, the AFC South is yet to be determined and Buffalo needs other t- – I think they need Pittsburgh to lose or Jacksonville to lose to guarantee their place in or they need to win. So, you know, they could, they could still not make the playoffs. But let's just assume it's Miami or Buffalo. If it's Miami or Buffalo, which of those two teams would you rather play? Like, if you're watching that game, which will be the last game of the regular season, and you're Kansas City, who would you rather play? I don't know if I know the answer to that. I, I think, it. I, I suppose it depends on Miami's health to some degree, as, you know, uh, Waddle is banged up, and they've had Tua's a little shaken up. I think I might rather play Miami. I think I might rather have Miami come into Arrowhead stadium in potentially a weather game and play me than Buffalo. Buffalo's been there before. Um, You know, there's the Josh Allen factor. That's always hard to account for. Kansas city showed us that they can keep Tyreek Hill in check to some degree. I think I might rather play Miami than Buffalo and Buffalo hasn't looked. That's the other thing too. Like, We all feel like Buffalo is this team nobody wants to play, and they're red hot and all these things. And they have won four in a row coming out of the bye, and two of those wins have been against you know Kansas City, Dallas. Then they beat the Chargers and the Patriots. Those games were closer than we thought they were. But man, if Buffalo is able to get in, I, I I do think I fear Buffalo more than Miami. For the Chiefs, you know Miami's in, but Miami's a little banged up. If they end up playing Miami, Miami will have stumbled down the stretch here. Miami, you know, got housed by Baltimore. They really do only have one high-quality win on this season. I think I'd rather play Miami than Buffalo if I'm the Chiefs. I think it's a coin flip. If it's those two teams, though, I just – we've seen Josh Allen and what he's able to do in some postseason games, and you've been, you know – Centimeters, inches away from, you know, losing to the Bills in the playoffs. Miami, there's far less familiarity between the two teams. I, I get this sense that you know, I I, I kind of think Buffalo is going to beat Miami. I do. Um, it's at Miami, which is a little bit different. It's a home game, and the thing about Miami is here, like they've got everything to prove. Right, like they they are going to be able to get out there and prove it this week against Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo's favored, I think, on the road in that game. I'll double check that. Yeah, Buffalo's a three point favorite on the road. So you know, Miami has plenty of bulletin board material uh, to throw up on the wall for that, and they're going to have a chance to get out there and prove it. But it, it's man, it's it's interesting. So the Ravens right now and the Steelers which we got to pay attention to for this conversation. The Ravens are three and a half point dogs at home, which makes you think they're going to rest people, but they've got that whole situation of two weeks off. So I I don't know that I believe that they'll rest people a ton. I kind of like that as a Baltimore bet, by the way, Uh, the Jags and the Titans are playing the Titans. The Jags are certainly favored in that game. Um, And then You've got that big one between the Texan, uh, sorry the uh, yeah, the, the uh, uh, Texans and Colts, uh, where the Colts are one point dogs at home. So there's all kinds of action that could change this up a little bit, you know for the, for the chiefs and who they'll play in that game that happens early. So we'll have a you know, a better idea of that and, and be able to look at that more closely at the end. But all right, you know Jake, I don't think, re- yes, yes, Jake. really quick, just a question. Uh, I don't know exactly how much I put into this, and maybe the question will be, "How much do you put into it?" But there is a slight difference when you when you're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs playing either Miami or, you know, potentially Buffalo. We we had different results in prior matchups between these teams. Is there is there such a thing as well? You know, they got one up on us last time. Maybe we're looking for a little more revenge versus one of these teams and the other I just um no I mean I I think that my or that Kansas City feels like they should have beaten Buffalo the first time remember they had the offside call at the end right I think Miami probably feels like it had a chance to beat Kansas City. I mean, they didn't, you know, I I just, I got it. Momentum and like where teams are currently. I I do think that that matters to some degree. And I think Buffalo has as much of that as any team. Like they're, they're kind of on a heater here. Miami is my, the thing about if it's Miami back, it, it was, but if Miami loses that game to Buffalo and ends up being the team, they will have been stumbling their way into the playoffs. And that's never a good thing for a team, right? So if Miami ends up being the team, it's because they lost their final two games of the regular season. And then, you know, it's they haven't been able to prove it at all. So I don't don't look at it as much as what happened in the two games prior. I do think Kansas City, in order to be successful, is going to have to be the best version of itself. Like, I don't – Kansas City – will not be able to not play at a high level and win a playoff game this year, where maybe that has been the case in some years in the postseason. They're going to have to play, you know, as well as they can play in order to get it done this year. So, I don't think so. I mean, what do you think, Chad? I I think it's it's more about wanting to catch Miami stumbling into the playoffs than Buffalo, you know... uh, being being back to closer to what we've seen out of them and then coming into that game with all the times that they've played, you know, big high profile games against the Chiefs at Arrowhead. I just think that it's been it's been so long since a lot of that's happened and I think that the yeah, Chiefs I, I talking about the Chiefs in the last 3 weeks is or the last even 4 weeks is very different than talking about the Chiefs as they were you know <laughs> a month ago. <laughs> It's yeah, there's no question. Yeah, I I, I don't think I and that's that's not atypical to the NFL, right? Like it's always a what have you done for me lately league? I think I think, you know, if you tell me that the Chiefs come in to a game, they don't turn the ball over and they run it, you know, 16 to 20 times. I'm going to tell you they win that game. The big part of that, of course is not turning the ball over, not making a critical mistake. That has been something they have not been able to avoid in a long time. And so, you know, it it that that's the part of it that is so difficult with the Chiefs. I, but again, like it's more about what the Chiefs do than their opponent, but it but Miami just I I and and it, you know, I'm ready for them to prove me wrong, but I just don't think that they're They're that team. And I sure don't think they're that team when they're not at full strength. Bradley Chubb is hurt. Two is banged up. Jalen Waddell's missing time. Like, how healthy are they even going to be in that game? So the other scenarios here uh, is Buffalo doesn't reach the postseason. And so I don't know who could climb up into that six. Um, Pittsburgh losing. Jacksonville losing. Houston or Indianapolis tying or Pittsburgh and Jacksonville can tie all of those things, make sure Buffalo's in. So again, we're going to know all of this and the scenarios by the time they play, it's very likely going to be, you know, Buffalo or Miami, but you could see a situation right where Pittsburgh or Jacksonville, they're both win. I mean, it's, it's all out there. I just, my guess, if I'm predicting it right now is that Kansas city plays Miami and, in the opening round, because no matter what else happens, I think Buffalo is going to beat Miami. I mean, I so if we're, if we're guessing like, what do we think will happen? What would we prefer to happen? I'd prefer that they play Miami over Buffalo. And I think that they will play Miami over Buffalo. And I don't think these other scenarios even matter because I think Buffalo is going to beat Miami in the finale as we bring Tommy back in here, Tommy, if you had to pick uh Buffalo or Miami, which very well could be the scenario, like it's probably going to be the case which of those two teams if you're the chiefs would you rather see
4: i think you'd rather see miami and i think that it's yeah. and, but it's really i don't think it's that big of a difference between the two teams because the the thing that both buffalo and miami can do they have the capability of doing is scoring a bunch of points in a short period of time both teams have the capability of doing that we've seen miami do that i think a couple more times i think than the bills have this season but that's the yeah, only Tyree thing. Gives you that. Yeah, and that's the only thing with both of these teams. And really, regardless if it's Buffalo or Miami, that would make me a little bit nervous if I were Kansas City. Is that you could find yourself, you know, a couple touchdowns behind, and I don't think this team is built to be able to come back from that. Uh, we talked about how great the run game is for Kansas City when they lean on it. How great the defense is when they lean on it. But I mean you know, Sunday against the Bengals. When you're behind. Sunday against the Bengals is a, a prime example of a of an offense that stalls out over and over and over again. So if you find yourself down by 10 points, 14 points, 17 points, this is not a Chiefs team from a couple of years ago where they could make up ground in a short period of time. You know, I remember that playoff run when they came back against the Texans and they came back against the Titans, they came back against the Niners in the Super Bowl. I'm not sure that the composition of this Chiefs team is that to be able to withstand that sort of thing.
2: Well, I think it's uh, – so I think the Bengals teach us a lesson that over time – if it's done quickly, because remember, they've fallen down 14 nothing, They they fell down early to the Bengals. They fell down early to the Patriots, right? They fell down early to the Raiders, and they won those games. I think late in a game – like if you're into the third or fourth quarter and you face those sorts of deficits and you got to have touchdowns, that's what's dangerous – But man, if that happens early, I think the Bengals game should show us, you know what, if something happens crazy right out of the gates, I think you can count on your defense giving you a chance. And I do think there's less desperation because you can count on, you know what, we just got to get it into field goal range. We can chip away at this with the way we can play defense. So you don't have to change your ultimate. We still have time to run the ball. We still have time to do these things. We don't need to take unnecessary risks. We don't need to go for it on every fourth down. Like, I do think that they have a little more of that over time, though. It's got, you know, it can't happen late in a game, but I definitely think it can happen early in a game. The, the big thing for me is if it's Miami, it will be because Miami, they stumbled their way into the playoffs. That's why I want to play Miami, right? If Miami ends up being the team you play, it's because they lost their last two. It's because, you know, they've they've struggled with the injuries that they're facing currently. That's why I would rather play Miami. It, you know, if it's Buffalo, they've still won five out of their last six or whatever it is. Like, they're still Josh Allen, who we know what he can do in a game. Like, all those th- – they have the experience playing at Arrowhead. They've done it a billion times now, it feels like. So that's all it is to me. Certainly, you know, it, it, it either way – it's going to be tough. I think either way, you're probably looking at, you know, a three- to four-point Chiefs-favored line, probably. So it's not it's not going to be easy, but we've known that. There isn't a game the Chiefs could play in the postseason. They could be like, oh, they got that one in the bag. Not one. Not any of these. I don't care if it's the Colts. You don't go into that game and say, oh, yeah, we're going to be in good shape there. No. Like, they're not equipped to do that. They got to come in. They got to play their best version of their game. And, and that's good enough to beat anybody, but it's also bad enough to lose to anybody. I it, it will be a very different field of this postseason.
4: The drive that they had to start the game offensively against the Bengals, that's the kind of offense that we need to see from Kansas City in the playoffs. And, and they had been struggling with that. Like, you go back to the multiple games prior to the Bengals game, they weren't scoring in the first quarter. They weren't, and a lot of times, they were struggling in the first half. And you know, then they started to get things figured out a little bit more. But they marched down the field that first opening drive and got into the end zone. They've got to start a playoff game like that. And I don't care who you play. I don't care if you're playing the Dolphins or the Bills or another team. You have to start strong. Because otherwise, you could very easily start a game, like I mentioned before, down 10, down 14, whatever. And it's going to be extremely difficult to come back from that. Now, I'm not suggesting that really either one of these teams have elite defenses. I don't think the Dolphins do. I don't think that the the Bills do necessarily. But I do think that because of the way that we've seen offensive struggles in the passing game, you've got to play from ahead. You've got to lean on the run with Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde edwards helaire hopefully Jarek McKinnon is back healthy for the playoffs, and then rest on your defense and have them keep you in the game we've talked about it before how that is the clear path to another championship for Kansas City but you can't deviate from that as soon as you deviate from that all bets are off and it's going to be that much more difficult for them to get a win in the playoffs
2: we'll see it's going to be an interesting day in the NFL again the Chiefs are not their their dogs against the Chargers which makes me think they may just rest them you know, I think that might be why we're seeing that line currently. If you don't think they're going to rest them, now the time to take that line, by the way, while you're getting three points uh, against the Chargers. All right, we'll come back. Uh, last full segment of Sports Daily. It's all Brockton Caster on a Wednesday. Don't go away. everybody sports daily here on kfh glad to be with you on the program today our appreciation kevin saul wichita state athletic director you can go back and listen to that for free on the odyssey app you can go back and listen to our show every day too for free on the odyssey app um we come back we get ready for the nfl playoffs. Did you see dalvin cook is released dalvin cook's interesting i i had some cowboy fans buddies like should should the cowboys get dalvin cook I'm like, no, probably not. And then it kind of brings up in my head, I'm like, man, should the Chiefs go see if they can get Dalvin Cook just for some depth behind Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who have both missed time? Jarek McKinnon's hurt. And I'm like, I don't think so. I mean, Dalvin Cook wasn't very good this year and his time with the Jets. But is there is there is that a worthwhile insurance policy potentially he's like deferred his money he's done all these things I don't know it was interesting I had Cowboy fans asking me about it because the Cowboys haven't been able to run the ball so for Cowboys fans I'm like well no I don't think Dalvin Cook's going to be able to like put lightning in a bottle for your run game there if Tony Pollard's not getting it done but for the Chiefs almost as an insurance policy because all three of their running backs are hurt basically right now like I don't think so but There have been crazier ideas, I suppose.
4: Here's a newsflash. The Chiefs do not have to go after every single player that has ever been released. Well, no, no, no. I haven't even,
2: I haven't seen that
4: rumored or anything. It just popped popped into my head. We just need to remember that they don't need to go after every single player that has ever been released by a team or cut by a team. That being said, though, there is precedent for this. Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy. Melvin Gordon, all three of those guys latched on with the Chiefs for a short period of time to varying degrees of success. None of them were successful really at all, but varying degrees of you know the way it all worked. Melvin Gordon, if you recall, won a Super Bowl ring with the Kansas City Chiefs and didn't do anything with them. So it yeah. wouldn't be unprecedented for them to kick the tires on somebody like Dalvin Cook because they do have a history of going after guys that... Uh, you know can be an insurance policy that you can have on the practice squad that maybe can get a little bit of of action on the field if they go out and get Dalvin Cook if they claim him on waivers or if they sign him to a deal we all need to keep our expectations in check he's not going to do anything of substance for Kansas City other than provide them a little bit of depth maybe potentially if he ever sees the field but I'm not sure that it's that important
2: but but I, it, it's the depth part that piques my interest, right? It's the it's the the potential need for somebody in case these guys get hurt, and they're hurt right now. That's what that's what worries me. But I don't care bit, if like if
4: all three of them get hurt. I don't care if you're going to Lamichael P. Ryan or if you're going to Dalvin Cook. You're in probably okay. a pretty bad spot if you've got to go to one of those two guys. In the playoffs, yeah, right? no, I
2: agree, and and I agree with you. I don't think they need to go get Dalvin Cook or anything else, but it does. It is interesting, like what he could potentially provide for a playoff team, and then it becomes, if you had to guess, will Dalvin Cook land on a roster, you know, the, at, at any point the rest of this year? And I don't know the answer to that. I I would say probably not, probably not.
4: Well, the field of teams that you know would be interested in grabbing him shrinks down considerably knowing that you're basically just looking for playoff teams. And then, really, is there a need for any of those playoff teams? I don't think there's really a need in Dallas. I mean, Tony Pollard, I mean, who's behind him, right? Um, Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, you know, so maybe you could make an argument that Dallas could be a fit. I don't really – I just don't see it in Kansas City. You know, maybe – Buffalo could bring him on because his brother is
2: there and just to be
4: there with his brother I don't think he's going to be doing a whole lot I mean James Cook has looked pretty solid this season for the Bills so that wouldn't shock me but I don't think there's going to be like this massive rush to go and get Dalvin Cook
2: I don't either uh but there are like Dallas's run game has been so bad so bad uh they just haven't been able to do anything and which that's why you don't go with a guy who's never been a feature back before to be a feature back. Like they're asking Pollard to do things he's never done behind an aging offensive line. I, I it was a, I saw the headline. The Cowboy fans were asking me, and it did make me immediately think, boy, the Chiefs could really use some running back depth. And and I don't even know what the rules are in the NFL. Like can, once the playoffs begin, can you just go sign players off the street? I mean, I think you probably have to be able to do that. Because, you know, what, ha- you, know, you never know what's going to happen in any particular game. So I suppose they could just take the approach of, you know, waiting and seeing and seeing if guys are healthy. There have been worse options out there on the street than Dalvin Cook. I'll put it that way. Uh, you know, experience. I mean, Dalvin Cook's not as old as people think he is. He just, he's, he's lost a step, certainly. Chiefs really need Isaiah Pacheco to just stay healthy. They need Isaiah Pacheco to just stay healthy. I, I, what is Jarek McKinnon's overall status? Like, is there any chance he comes back? Yeah, and he, I mean he's,
4: he's on just... he's on IR, so he's done for the regular season. But I think he, sh- from what I read, I think he's trending to be able to be available in the playoffs. I believe.
2: Yeah, thinner backfield sits out another game. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, they, that would be that would be as good a shot in the arm as they could ever hope for is to just get him back and turn him loose in the postseason. It's the Isaiah Pacheco show, everybody. If the Chiefs win a Super Bowl, there may not be a bigger reason offensively that they do it than Isaiah Pacheco. Cross your fingers and hope he can stay healthy. We're going to come back. We'll tell you what's on the network today as we wrap up another edition of Sports Daily.